so excited to have my next guest on the show, a good friend, Marlon Mariachi, former LAPD sergeant and use of force expert. Grab a pen, grab some paper, record this somehow because you're going to love this show. Marlon Mariachi, next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning into the show. So excited to be here. Thank you again for tuning in. If you love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star rating and review. We sure would appreciate it. Special thanks to you, the first responder, whatever you were doing, wherever you were at. Thank you for doing it. And remember this, you are honored, cherished, and above all, you are loved. Keep up the fantastic work. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment, doing the breath therapy that's done here. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. They should be afforded the ability to come get help when they need help. It has gotten better, but we still have a long way to go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I am very excited to have the next guy on the show, Marlon Marlon Mariachi. I just like saying his last name, Mariachi. He's a buddy of mine, former LAPD, but still in the game in a different law enforcement capacity. He is an expert on use of force uh, and other critical incidents that law enforcement officers get into, and he's on the show. Welcome, brother. It's my man, my dude, my guy. No one's called you Fitz since I know, you were man. In the military, well, in law enforcement, you know, they used to call me Fitz all the time right? because you, we know cops can't read and they can't read the nameplate, and so they were just like uh, Fitz. Yeah, yeah. For the listener out there, I had the honor of meeting Marlon uh, last year. I was out in LAPD attending. Marlon hooked it up for me attending MHIT, which is run by. LAPD. It's like their version on CIT. And it was an honor, brother. Had a good time out there. I want to. Oh, it was it was awesome, brother. Thanks to you. Thank you. For those of people out there who don't know you, who you are, and you're all over the place. um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, brother. I already gave it a snippet in the intro. You know, rather than going through a whole trip down memory lane, let's just get to like the latest. Yeah. So when you and I met, Um, I was retired. I was Mm -hmm. walking my dog to the beach. I was at the gym. (laughs) My daughter was coming home from college. All the things that I was just thinking to myself, this is great, man. I get to do, you know, my thing, consult. I just took the bar exam. I'm going to become a lawyer someday. I'm going to go back and work, you know, be a police attorney, all that good stuff. And lo and behold, I totally forgot. I shouldn't say I totally forgot, but I did put in an application (laughs) <laughs> to Cal State Dominguez Hills to a university, local university, 
And uh, six months later, they decided to give me an interview. And oh gosh, that phone call, that 15 to 20 minute phone call with the sweetest lady, even though without hesitation, I did tell her, you know what? I uh, hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I wish to withdraw from the process. So rather than take you to this conversation, um, she convinced me. I had the interview, and uh, they offered me the job, conditional hire. And in November, I started uh, back out, back in uniform, back, back in, in law enforcement, back in the back mix. In it, but you're a lieutenant now, and and you you were a sergeant before, correct? Correct. It was yeah. a promotion. Yeah. And that promotion comes with a lot of leadership and a lot of duty responsibilities. What I'm mean by that is. The university is so small that it's just the chief and myself. I have two detectives, three sergeants, and 16 officers, and we pretty much handle uh, a campus. It's, I mean, we're still trying to fill 346 acres that we're starting to build. Oh, wow. So you can imagine there's a lot of challenges ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. But the campus is pretty big. In terms of student body, you're looking at about, I mean, most ever probably 17,000 compared to San Diego State or Fresno State, San Francisco State, or um, Cal State Fullerton. But it's or still a, a good chunk. It's a pretty good size student It's body, a good though. chunk, but you're when you start talking about 35,000 plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really big chunk, but. Yes, like UCLA Levitt, and all this other, all these other places. Exactly. So they're one of the decision make, well, a couple of perks and the reasons why I made this decision is one, to get to continue to provide that leadership. Uh, to learn more, right? To grow. Absolutely. And more important than anything is soccer. You know, I'm a soccer <laughs> And it just so happens that the Dignity Health Sports Park is right there <laughs> on that land where the Galaxy play. <laughs> so you're like, all right, come on. I'm, I'm going to take this job so, because I, I because of the soccer. Because of the soccer. I asked my detective, hey, so who's the <laughs> event coordinator here? Oh, I'm the one responsible. <laughs> you know what? I'll be at the command post practically about maybe every day or every every game but with that being said in all seriousness great group of uh, sergeants and officers um, i get the ability to perhaps what i do uh, teach and what i do uh, render in terms of use of force investigations what i've done in the past with lapd uh, responding to all these critical incidents. And more important than anything is just discipline. I think any time that you can get into an agency and see the culture, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about. Exactly, exactly. But when you start looking into that with a very, very narrow scope, there's always room to improve and change. So I have the ability to do that. So here yeah. we are again. <laughs> Thank you, brother. You are an amazing individual, very smart. Again, I had the honor of meeting you and you know your shit. Um, and I wanted to talk today. Thank you for your service, brother. I wanted to talk about Memphis. I know it's all over the news. This, this horrible incident that we all witnessed when this body cam was uh, released uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I know the, I, and you hit it. Everybody's talking about training and training and training. Officers are trained all the time. You know that Marlon, but culture can you expand on that a little bit in terms of use of force issues and what we saw with this Nichols case? Okay. So when that Friday at 4 PM ish Pacific standard time, when the video was released, we just happened to be still uh, doing the supervisor seminar with uh, savage training with Scott. 
And so one of the keynote speakers was the deputy chief who said, look, this video is very, very damning. It doesn't look good. Uh, so stand by, right? And so when I had a chance to see it, I'm at the airport, I'm looking at it. The first thing that pops right out of my mind is, I mean, come on, we're really thinking that these five officers, right? It's the only first time that they actually done something like this, right? Absolutely, One, yeah. two, is it an aberration? Oh my God, this is just something that we just, we just did this once, you know, it doesn't happen quite often. Two, training. And then all of a sudden for the last, since last Friday, so it's been about a week, right? So for this past week, all these experts, I'm on LinkedIn, I see the news and everybody's talking about reform and everybody wants to talk about training, 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 reform, training, training, reform. Let's talk about all that. Only certain few kind of hit the nose and the button, which is culture. You know, I always say this phrase that culture, organizational culture, AKA cop culture will always dictate what you do and what you don't do. Absolutely. And, and that's the honest truth. That's, that's reality. That's unequivocal, crystal clear that if you get into a department and you start watching your sergeant or your supervisors and your leadership do police work a certain way, chances are you're going to do it the same. Come on, let's think about it. We were both in the academy. I was explaining to my daughter just the other day, you know, she's a college freshman. I said, look, I said, Sophia, there, there is no police academy in the United States that says, okay, today we're going to learn how to strike someone in the face when they're handcuffed. It doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> today we're going to learn how to OC spray everybody and not even warn anybody about OC spraying, right? That's how we're going to deploy it. And today we're going to learn about each and every specific application of force that happened in Memphis. So the best way that I can describe it, that just comes natural, it's just culture, man. That's mm -hmm. what this is all about. There's no way you're going to sit here and tell me that the sergeant didn't know about the scorpion unit. The sergeant didn't know how they conduct, you know, or the chief, functions, right? The chief. R right. I, I'm, I just started at this level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the sergeant doesn't know. The lieutenant doesn't know. The captain doesn't oh, know and the chief doesn't know. So you're going to tell me out of all those levels of leadership, management, command staff, did it know that this is kind of like what you guys do? By the way, they're a specialized unit. So I'm sure they're very mission specific. So, so you have a special in Memphis in the city. Yeah. In the city of Memphis, you see these guys, I shouldn't say guys, but you see these cops chances are you're probably going to be like oh shit you know so anyways it's cop culture yeah more and, than anything else and you know with specialized units there needs to be very good grip on command and control where was the supervisor and i we've we've heard this but where was the supervisor on that call you know where right. where was it i mean you got five guys there beating the hell out of this guy and not one of them could get a arm around his back Put yeah. a handcuff on, you know, once you get that first handcuff on, chances are you're going to get the other arm, right? Because yeah. now you can manipulate that one arm with the handcuff on. I don't mean this, I don't mean this sound humorous, but you know what? Every time when I was a field sergeant, I was out there. The first thing I tell my guys is like, look, you're in the business of 
at times, you're going to put hands on someone. And here's the deal. When you put hands on someone, you need to affect that arrest ASAP, as quick as possible, as safely as possible, a code for in custody. Because we don't want to be rolling around trying to figure out how to, you know, specific maneuvers or putting the hands behind your back and so on and so forth. I mean, these dudes struggle. And, and the saddest part about that particular incident is when they did uh, approach, when they did come into contact, somehow, some way, the dude just takes off. No control whatsoever. How the hell does that happen? He's safe off running. So then what happens is, and you know this, you know, the emotions just, and the rage and the frustration is like, you know, the ego starts kicking in and saying, you know what? No way. And then here we are half mile away from his house and, you know, the rest is history. You saw that. So there's a lot of dynamics involved, but what it comes down to more than anything is to have a full body discussion about the culture of Memphis uh, PD. And if it wasn't addressed in the past, it should be addressed now. Unfortunately, we have to address things in a reactionary mode. We, you know, that's not yeah. the point. Yeah. Had you and I would have been sergeants in Memphis PD, I'd be the first one to tell you, there's no way we're, we're, we're going, someone's got to tell me that these guys, do traffic stops or to do this and that, you better believe I'm going to be, um, what do you call it? Quality control. <laughs> I'm going to be out there making sure you're actually doing good police work. And when you're actually making constitutional traffic stops, when you're doing consensual encounters legally, when you're responding to service calls and you're providing really good service to represent the city of Memphis as best as possible as a community member, because that's what you expect, then that's what we're going to do. But if you're not doing any of that, you can call it what you want. Call it micromanagement, uh, management, I should say. Call it, you know, all oh, the sergeants helicoptering me. This, yes, yes, with, I am. With a specialized unit like that, you need to have that control. Yeah. And I, what I do remember, and I do recall in my LAPD days, part of the consent degree is that when you do uh, join a gang enforcement detail as an officer or a sergeant number one you got to fill out a financial disclosure that was a big deal number two i believe that uh, not so much not so much search warrants but any traffic stops or any type of initiated police function a sergeant has to be present yeah yeah and and and, and i know the memphis police chief came out what a couple days before the the body cam um was released but I, I think the police chief has to go. I mean, I mean, I, I, I know people are going to get pissed off at that. Uh, and it's not a color thing. It, it, it all ends on the desk of the chief of police, no matter who it's in there. Absolutely. How this chief of police is going to be able to survive this is beyond me because, and you and I talked about it, it's just, it's systemic throughout the agency. To your point, this isn't the first time that these five cops did this kind of crap. It was the first time they got caught. You can't tell me other officers in the agency don't think the same way these guys do. Right. This is learned behavior. Right. Learn behavior. It's like kids, you know, they copy what they fucking see. Yeah. And there's probably patrol officers in Memphis are like, you know what? I don't want to deal with those guys. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't want to have nothing to do with any of the traffic stops. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to respond or even back them. Right. And so the question is, so what happens to them? They re 
they bring these issues or these concerns, it's not even issues, but these concerns in a very professional, respectful way to a supervisor, and then what happens? So you're right. It lies on first line of supervision, but I'd have to agree with you. I don't think that she's going to survive all this. Well, it's, vicarious, but, it's vicarious liability, brother. You know that. Correct. Correct. Lessons learned, obviously, from the past. She did terminate them, and she did you know, have that okay. consultation with the uh, 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 criminal process with the district attorney's office, and they did what they had to do and charge them with murder, which, by the way, it's happening more often than not uh, lately uh, where cops are. I always thought that, you know, what at some point in an OIS or whatever, a controversial, uh, I don't know, use of force where it's very excessive or even an OIS, I did see when I did retire uh, almost a year ago where cops are going to get criminally filed on. Never did I ever think that they would be murder. I still don't think first degree will ever no, will no, ever no, no, reach no. that gotta, point. We got to prove intent with that. These these five right. cops. And from what I learned in law school from criminal law is that they, they always used to tell you, hey, if it's not first degree, it's second. And obviously the degrees are statutory. So not knowing the statute uh, of uh, Tennessee, uh, that's pretty serious. So that in it itself, those two things that she did, terminate them. And I think that's great, obviously. I mean, that's how, great. Can, you, how that's, can you argue with the body cam? I mean, that's, that's what the community. Yeah. And by the way, we've only seen one body worn. My understanding is there's a couple. Or yeah, there's a couple more out there. On, yeah. Right. Yeah. Or someone even turned on. And I think they brought charges. Uh, uh, I just the read six guy. the six guy. Who yeah. It was the taser. He showed up and just. Yeah. Just, joined the party and taser. Yeah. Taser. Okay. So you ever know what the policy of a taser is? <laughs> You know, the deployment, you know, you see what I'm yeah. saying? I mean, I know it sounds kind of elementary and fun, you know, humorous to say that this kind of stuff they don't teach you. So why is everybody talking about training? You know, you can't, you can't root for training when you have a handcuffed suspect standing up and you're punching the suspect. That's not training. Let's just culture. get that out yeah, of the, the way. Yeah, that's a good point. That's culture. Exactly. Tell me one academy instructor in the United States that says, okay, class, today, this is what we're going to teach you. Yeah, get up in your and, hand, and class, I'm just talking we're going to beat you up. Exactly. This is what we're going to do. Now, if someone's on the ground and you get pissed off because your partner sprayed everybody and you come back and actually kick them right in the face, we're going to teach you that too. So, again, let's be clear. It has nothing to do with training. It has everything to do with culture. You know, yeah. and that is important to get everybody. So how do you, it's interesting, I had a partner of mine. So how do you quantify that? How do you measure? Is there any meta analysis? Is there any way to measure culture? And the short, you know, the short answer to that is me personally, I don't think so. Besides the fact that you have to be very honest, have a lot of integrity and get into this profession with you know that type yeah. of attitude um, yeah that yeah. this is just not going to happen you know uh, now well, yeah go ahead. Uh, let me ask you this i know a lot of people have been talking about hiring what you're thinking about hiring because there's, there's this little element about ooh, you know they went through a, a speedy process and they lowered the standards i i think that's a great question i've been asked this before too look my personal belief is i would rather go short on the street and be short 
strength wise on the street that, and I don't know these guys background. I, I don't know it, but I heard the right. same thing, you know, that they sped through an application process because they were in need of cops. I get that. Mm -hmm. But my personal uh, belief is <laughs> we shouldn't cut corners and I'm not, I, I don't know anything about these guys, but if that's what happened again, I would rather go short staffed. And I know that sucks for cops are on the street than to have somebody there who, eh, because this is the kind of shit you get. I understand right. that we're short on the street. I get that. But the minute you start lowering standards, lowering standards because you're trying to fill bodies on the street, it, it's it, it's it's a recipe for disaster. And it's not going to work out. And, and who, who knows? I, again, I don't know, Marlon, about these yeah. guys' background. I and, heard the and, same thing. And I was asked that, too. I had a little debate with one of my colleagues about it as well. Look, I'm going to preface by saying that, number one, I've never worked backgrounds. I don't know much about the process of what's considered to be lower standards or not. But the first thing that pops in my mind is, okay, so are we saying that if we have African-Americans that graduated from uh, an Ivy League school with a clean background and they came on the job, um, the propensity of them not acting out that way is going to be very lower? I don't know. I would tend to think that that's not the case. You know, mm -hmm. Well, we need more college graduates. Well, I was a high school dropout. And exactly. Some of the best GED. cops I ever yeah. worked with had I mean, no college degrees. Exactly. I didn't have a college degree. I yeah. was a high school dropout. It's a piece of paper. That's it, not going to dictate how you are. Right. So it doesn't. So that's my point. So yeah. education doesn't define, you know, truly who you are as a character and, when and, doing this type of police. And, and the flip side of that, brother, if you want to start demanding, and I know a lot of departments out there. Are, are demanding putting, you know, requirements for education, a bachelor's yes. degree. You better start paying people more. Yeah. Because that's yeah. the flip side of that coin. Yeah, And from what I experienced is that you're right. Even, I mean, there is, don't get me wrong. Having a college degree by no means. I mean, oh, I, I have, I have up, a couple degrees. I mean, yes, I'm exactly that. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm taking you in, in the path that I'm all for that, but that, that doesn't define. Oh, no, no, no you're not going to be able to tell whether or not police work is actually for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean there's plenty of lawyers who are Ivy league grads. There's a lot of Harvard law grads that have done inside trading forever, you know? And, I, and I've always said, you know, okay, ideally you want uh, somebody who's educated. It doesn't necessarily have to be formal, but formal great, but has some fucking common sense too. Cause you, and you run into this, somebody who's super smart, book smart, that don't There's have no a lick sense. of common sense. Yeah. I would rather yeah. get rid of the book smart, maybe have a little bit. Well, it's an important book smart, but have some fucking common sense. Yeah. Because that's what, how you're going to survive. You can't quantify. You're absolutely That's how right. you're going to survive. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 nuts. And it, this, this is a horrible tragedy for the Nichols family. We all can agree with that. These guys need to be held accountable. I hope they are. As far as the ripple effect, brother. I mean, I, I think the Rodney King, which is a different incident, mm -hmm. all you know, which happened out in California. Mm -hmm. I mean, that 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 was a ripple effect that that hit law enforcement for decades. Maybe it still is out in California. You, you, it just this, in my opinion, kind of just reignited that. It, it, it did. It's definitely a scar uh, in, in our profession. Um, and it just I mean, two years ago, we went through something bad. Right. So it hasn't been yeah. that long. Um, I'm just, uh, 
I'm a true believer of, of, of this culture that I really preach for because I believe, yeah, I, I think agree. I said this in the past. Look, I'm from Los Angeles. You're from Arizona, right? From Phoenix mm-hmm. around it. So you guys like you and I are really familiar with, especially in law enforcement, we're familiar with major agencies and major cities. All these incidents, if you really put it on the scope, right? And go macro, right? Think about it. You've never heard of Kenosha before Kenosha. No. You've never heard of Ferguson. Before right? Ferguson. Yeah. You've never heard of Minneapolis. Granted, you know where the city is. Exactly. But Minneapolis is not a place. Well, even with this, Minneapolis is not a place you go visit. Like, ah, you'd rather go to Vegas, Phoenix, or LA, or, or Minneapolis. Not really. The point I'm trying to, and then here we are with um, even Atlanta, the incident in Atlanta in the parking lot with the Tracer. Mm-hmm. Atlanta is a huge city. But my point is, is that you never hear anything about those police agencies unless something completely, extremely way out of the norm happens, just like this case in Memphis, right? So what does that tell you? What that tells you is that out of 1,800, and don't quote me on the number, but 1,800 police agencies throughout the United States, there's these little pockets of agencies that have a certain culture of how to do police work, right? And it takes a chief, right? Someone from a big agency that is about integrity, that is about honesty, that is about, you know what? We're We're not cutting corners. We're not lowering standards. And by the way, the police academy I went to is pretty, probably one of the best, not just yeah. in the nation, in the world. Yeah. And so, you know what? It takes an individual like that to come in and say, you know what? That's not the way you do police work. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what I really feel. Now, of course, God forbid, with the grace of God, nothing happens to another, uh, you know, another person in some other smaller agency. But you know what? We have a lot of work to do. Yeah, you know, and this is a prime example of a culture. Yeah, and I, and I love the the how you frame that, brother, because the the message I got from that, beautifully said, by the way, is the majority of officers out there. You and I have this discussion before are are doing a good job. The vast majority of cops out there, first responders, are good people, just trying to put food on their table, raise their families, do a good job, serve their communities. But all it takes is that very, very, very small percentage yes. of cops to to make everybody look bad. Yeah, make everybody look bad. I mean, there's what a million cops, eight hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand yeah, municipal oh, cops in this country. You can't tell me that every cop out there, municipal cop or feds and state, all combined, think the same way. You know, you, you can't convince me because the stats don't. I mean, how many interactions you know? Cops oh, yeah. have on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Thousands. An agency but of 8,000 plus. Even, and, and even, and I should have said this when we were talking about Memphis, I'm not trying to condemn the whole PD. I think probably the majority of cops in Memphis are trying to do a good job. It's just the actions of a few. And that's the nature of this beast, brother, the nature of law enforcement. You know that. It's the actions of a few, because it doesn't matter if I'm in Phoenix, you're in LA, Denver, or whatever. People see uniform and say, ah, yeah, you're one of them. You know, oh, yeah, I, I saw what happened. All they see is a uniform and a badge and a star, and they lump you in with no. all the other bad cops we've seen yeah. over the years. No one wants to talk about when I was barely off probation out of the academy, and I had a 19-year-old UCLA student 
in a bathroom with a knife in her stomach, getting ready to kill herself. And it was my partner and I who basically told her to drop the knife, open up the door. And I sat there for two hours after she hugged me and got all emotional to really get to know her and save her life. Yeah. But no one wants to hear that. No, no one wants to hear that. Because it doesn't, doesn't sell, but yeah, it doesn't right. sell. Do you think, in your, your expert opinion, brother, I mean, do, do you think now this, this has happened and it's actually, it's just begun because mm-hmm. we still have the trial and all kinds of other things coming up. Do you think that the the wake of this is going to be more officers getting trained to not go hands on? And we have to go hands on at some point. But I can see some sort of politician out there saying, "Never grab a a person, you know, that you're going to put." I mean, how, how did? I mean, maybe that's too extreme. But do you it, think there's going to be some ripple effect to this? There has to be. All right, we got to come up with alternatives. You know, I mean, uh, I don't we, think that we need, I don't think we necessarily need to change policy as it relates culture. to yeah, affecting yeah, yeah. an arrest. Um, to your point, you, the word you just said, extreme. I think this is so extreme and so disgusting to watch, right? That no average patrol officer, barely out of the academy, can sit there and say to themselves, "You know what? There's just." I just don't see handcuffing a suspect and having my partner just go to town on him. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So because it is so far remote from the average application of force, you know, there's this analysis where you, what we use is substantial deviation, right? So every time you apply force, you have substantial deviation from department policy and procedure. And that formula is along the lines of there's real time, there's policy, and then there is, the fluidity, the motion, right? Because everything is moving, right? You can go from one location to another. And so it's constantly moving as you're applying force or not applying force, or when do you apply force when you stop applying force? And so when you take that formula and you look into substantial deviation, which is the first thing I think about, substantial deviation, department policy and procedure Mm -hmm. without justification. Look, if you're going to substantially deviate, I suppose not just my department, but the majority of departments are saying, you know what, we're okay with that. But guess what? You need to justify why exactly you justify, articulate. Right. So justification, articulation as it relates to application of force, whether it's a firm grip, takedown, um, body weight, taser, uh, any less lethal, forty, uh, OC spray, you name it. Right. Whatever that application of force is, is you have to tell yourself, okay. There's probably some really good reasons why I deviate, and here's the reason, Sarge, right? But when you start looking into that and focusing right on this particular incident, there, there's just no explanation. No, there's there's no explanation. There's nothing. There's nothing that you can say. So it's indefensible. Yeah. Come close to justifying your actions yeah. when you apply force. Yeah, and exactly. So to me, as we look in the future, maybe in Memphis you might be hesitant, but no. I mean, look. Uh, you and I both know violent crimes are just off the roof right now. You know, I just saw an incident of uh, they're talking about kids, kids and violence. It's just ridiculous. There was this yeah. kid that yeah. was getting beat up in a school bus. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just it, and I agree with you, brother. I just hope that nothing drastic comes down to Pike. I mean, you see it out in California. I think a sheriff out there got rid of the thin blue line succumbing yes. to succumbing to public outcry over. Yeah. A, Thin yeah. blue line. So I think in some cases, and I hope you're right in terms of what we just talked about, I, I hope people out there use some common sense 
and and you know yeah. don't go to the extreme you know trying to appease uh, a block you know maybe a voting block um yeah. yeah and i hope we stick to common sense and granby connor and all this other stuff that's out there regulating use of force absolutely and before i forget just so we're clear when we're talking about this incident yes there's nothing that we should be discussing about reform and training you're, you're stating two obvious uh, issues right that need to be done yeah. i would as a matter of fact you do need to train I just want to make that very, very clear. Well, that yeah, we don't get enough training, which yeah, is one of the reasons why I joined uh, with Scott over at yeah. Savage Training Group, and he does a great job in telling a lot of these young officers that you need more training. I mean, uh, our our post, right, our our certification in state of California, they don't give you training because they want to make sure that you're actually going out there doing legal stops and making sure that you're going to be safe and come home, right? They just do it because they just have to do it and they let, let's get this done to certify you and continue the certification. Yep. I'm not knocking uh, the, uh, the Institute or the organization, but I don't think that we do enough yep. training as it relates to like in this incident, as it relates to traffic stops. No, grant granted, there's a lot to learn from this, but I just want to make sure that we understand that we do lack a lot of training. Yeah. In general, but I like what you said because you know. But you, when you, when you said this particular incident in Memphis, this horrible uh, tragedy, nobody is training cops in whatever academy to beat the hell out of somebody when they're <laughs> handcuffed. Yes. Or, or hey, uh, we need a taser over here. Let's run this through the scenario by okay. Marlon's on the ground. He's got four cops, five cops surrounding him. Okay, where's the taser? We're going to tase him when he's yeah. You know, and don't I mean, to OC spray everybody. So too. To, that you make an excellent point, though. I mean, it, this this particular incident is not a training mishap. It is a cultural failure within an organization. So I like that, and I agree with you. There's always room for more training, but I can tell you, you know this. Cops are trained. We need more, but we're highly trained. You know, yes. and that's the thing that people don't realize. It's like. I think there's there's a, a mindset out there with some people, brother, is that we get out of the academy. Oh, here's your gun and your badge. There you go. Yeah. That's not the case. Yes. Yes. Especially when it comes to use of force. When, when yes. it, now, I'm not talking about this Memphis thing. I'm talking about in general use of force. Yes. Firearms driving. Why? Because they're high liability. Yes. You know that. There was, um, I was watching a show the other day. I forgot it was a military. I think it was a SEAL team member. I forgot he was one of those specials in the military that specifically said, look, before we even decide to actually deploy on a real life situation, we have trained for six months every single Absolutely. day. On every you know possible angle of that mission. And then if the a, if if plan A goes to shit, what do we do? We got to have some contingencies, right? Right. Exactly. And and then you guys, guys like me and you, where, you know what, I haven't been in the game in 24. I've been in this business for 25 years almost, right? But I haven't gone to training in tactical de-escalations or, you know, how to uh, handle a non-barricaded suspect and stuff like that because there's always room to learn. Whether you have five years, 10 years, 15, 20, 25, things completely, completely change. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying that we need to consistently yeah. keep consistently. training and know what you need to do. 
Well, as we wrap up, brother, I want you mentioned Savage Training Group. Scott Savage, good friend of mine. He's a friend of yours. You're doing yes. good. I see your hat on right now. Tell us about what you're doing with Savage Training Group. So Scott and I met because he felt that the training as it relates to internal affairs uh, investigations, number one, he doesn't have, and I echoed with, it's just an untapped subject, as you know. So discipline is not something, well, number one, it's not sexy. It's not, it's not really sexy. Well, you know, I try to make it sexy <laughs> where I get up there and say, hey, you know, I'm not in Malachi. Because the last thing a police officer wants is to hear from exactly. my, oh, do you exactly. got my, you know. <laughs> So what we did, what we decided to is he brought me on board, hired me, and we came up with a curriculum. Uh, we actually have a two-day curriculum where the first day, it's going to be all about internal affairs. Hey, I'm going to teach you. And by the way, yeah, he's, which is what I love a lot about him and, and makes a lot of sense is I'm, it's not death by PowerPoint whatsoever. And I'm not going to lecture you. We're actually going to teach either – brand new supervisors, right? Sergeants and detectives, supervisors, or uh, corporals or FTOs that are on the list to get promoted to sergeants to teach you how to do an intake, to teach yeah. you how to do an IA. Someone walks in the front desk and says, hey, there's this guy named Fitz, uh, you know, that uh, at the coffee shop said this, 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 and that. Or I was at 7-Eleven and I saw two cops get out and pretty much grab someone and throw them up against the wall. And, you know, yeah. What is that all about? Right. Yeah. So you start, that's the kind of training you're going to get where I'm going to show Love you it. exactly what misconduct is, even if it is misconduct. Right. Yeah. And then go from there, how to initiate a complaint, how to investigate it. No stone goes unturned. He's heard me say that in the past. And a lot of small agencies, what we realized that we're doing with Scott is, is that a lot of small agencies don't have that resources like we no. do in our big agencies. Yeah. Yeah, they don't. And so we can also teach you in the class how to go through the adjudication process. In other words, the chief or the captain's going to say, hey, Fitz, you know what? All right, you did this investigation. So uh, tell me, is it going to be unfounded or is it going to be sustained? And give me the reasons why. So that's day one, because there is Peace Officers Bill of Rights, because there is a Senate bill that is affecting uh, your decertification process in the state of California. We're jumping right into day two and teaching all about officer-involved shooting protocols because there is representation that the accused employee or the shooting officer and the percipient witnesses need. And so we developed this two-day course. It got post-certified. So, brother, I was going to say, post-certified, brother. Yeah, we're ready to go. That is awesome, man. So proud of you, brother. You're rocking it. You are one smart guy, and I love having you on the show. If people want to find you, Marlon, Pick your brain, yes. reach out to you. Where can they find you? Let's go LinkedIn. That's the Let's best, go LinkedIn, send, baby. LinkedIn, send me in there. Marlon, M-E-R-L-O-N, Marachi. Marachi. Act, didn't you say I was like a John Wick? Dude, when I first met, for the listener out there, I first met Marlon. I was like, man, this, this guy's badass. And I was like, he, he, he reminds me of a, like a John Wick character. You know, Marlon Meliachi. That's me, brother. <laughs> M-A-R-R-A-C-H-E is the last name. And you can definitely, most definitely send me an email at um, mmarachi at policediscipline.com. Everything's going to be linked up. You, man. Love Everything's going to gonna be, yeah, I love spending time with you, brother. Everything's going to be linked up in the show notes, brother. You take care. God bless. 
and I'll let you know when I push this out. Perfect. Much love, Fitz. Thanks, brother. Such a great show with Marlon. If you love the audio, head over to CJ Evolution Podcast YouTube channel and check out the live interview with Marlon. The links are in the show notes. Take care, everybody.